0: What's up, folks? This is Tony Brew and Aaron Dotson. You're watching or listening, as the case may be, to Christianity Now, the podcast and live stream where we talk about timeless or timely issues facing the church <laughs> from the perspective of the timeless truth of God's word. Aaron, we have a verse and you have a, a, a special kind of iteration of that verse today. Why not you tell us yeah. about that? Yeah, I do. The verse we already start out
1: with is First 1 Chronicles 12.32, how during the transition of the kingdom from Saul to David, there's a list of different people that were beneficial to David. Mm-hmm. The International Standard Version, it's a different translation that perhaps many are not aware of, but it's called the International Standard Version. It says in First 1 Chronicles 12.32, the tribe of Issachar supplied two hundred leaders, along with all of their relatives under their command. They kept up to date in their understanding of the times and knew what Israel ought, excuse me and knew what Israel should do. I had that King James, <laughs> New King James coming out in there it doesn't say ought. Yeah. it says and knew what they should do, what Israel should do. Yeah, that's awesome. So, <laughs> they oh, kept it is. up it's to wonderful. date in their understanding.
0: That's it. And you know, our our topic today, uh, we're going to talk about traditions of men, some we ought to keep and some we ought to get rid of. And uh, we might just touch on translation and version of God's Word. Fun. I can't wait. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? All right. Traditions, <laughs> paradosis, um, transmission that is a precept, specifically the Jewish traditionary law, ordinance, or tradition. A uh, paradosis from Thayer is the act of giving up, the surrender of cities. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? <clears throat> giving over which is done by word of mouth or in writing, i.e. tradition, by instruction, a narrative, a precept. Objectively, that which is delivered, the substance of a teaching. That's very interesting, and I've thought about that since we talked last week. And whenever we follow a tradition, we give over our way of doing things to a particular teaching. Now, the question is, is that teaching from God or is that teaching from man? And I think, Aaron, we might have a knee-jerk reaction and be like, well, if it's not a tradition of God, it's a wrong thing. Eh, not necessarily. But right. I will read 2 Thessalonians 2.15 from where I got the word. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in 2 Thessalonians, Paul is talking about the traditions of God, not the traditions of man, because if we have a commandment to hold to the traditions which you were taught, um, and, and then and it ended there, than any tradition that is taught, we would have to hold fast, right. and that's obviously I mean, I don't think anybody in our listening audience or anybody that even I just don't think I could find anybody that would affirm that right well, I'll say was... that, and then I was just uh talking to the congregation up here the other night about the idea of dogma in the Catholic Church and they get that from the from a twisted version of Matthew 16, uh, whatsoever thou shalt bound on, bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So the idea is if, if something is bound on earth, then that binds it in heaven, and if something's loosed on earth, then that looses it in heaven. And the church, the seat of authority is the Pope in Rome, and he has right. the power to, to, to speak ex-cathedra and create dogma. Well, that's just as dumb as the day is long, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. But, well, I guess we might as well talk about it now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I broke the subject. <laughs> yeah, you brought it in. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't talk like, we, we, don't, we don't phrase our things the way, like, e- even, the, even the modern translations of the Bible, they have a, a different kind of of speech than we speak on a regular basis. Whatsoever that shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatsoever shall thou shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven, means the standard is heaven. What you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. So unless it's bound in heaven, you can't bind it on earth. Yep. And unless it's loosed in heaven, you can't loose it on earth. So our traditions are just that. They're traditions. And, and I was just going to say, and incidentally, the New American
1: Standard version of 95 gets that in Matthew sixteen eighteen. There is a essentially literal translation in English that gets that the way the Greek has it. Good. It says, I w- I will, yeah, I got it right here. I drew it up on my, as you say, trusty, rusty, Esord, sword. Mm-hmm. I will give, give the, you. Would you yeah. give the citation? I don't think I ever told people where that was. Yeah, this is uh, Matthew sixteen nineteen. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, that's the NASB of 95
0: that says Oh, that. that's great. That's great. Yeah. You know, that's, let's just talk about the tradition of Bible translations <laughs> yeah. right off the bat, yeah. since uh sure. tell us a little bit about the Bible translation that you read from for our theme verse. Uh that was
1: the uh International Standard Version and okay. that's a that's about all I can tell you on that. I actually haven't done any background, you know, on that one, but I'll well, tell I, you I've glanced at it several yeah. times and I haven't
0: found it to be stupid yet. So Well, I know it's a liberal translation because it's got the word international in it. And it also doesn't have new. Unless it has new, it can't be a good translation. Unless, and if it has international, it's got to be liberal. So we can automatically discount that because it's got to uh-huh. be the King James, the new King James, the new American standard, the American standard. Yeah. You know, if it's got international, yeah. it's too much like the new international. Right. You know, I just don't think you can go to heaven with these new versions, man. You know, I mean, we got to stick people- to the old stuff.
1: Some people have really become convinced of that, and uh, all I see it as is 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 w- many of us are getting into an area where we are not we are not Greek scholars, we're not, and no. and and we we don't have the wherewithal. But what has happened is there have been well known gospel preachers who were otherwise good men that have taken some of these other translations to task. And yeah. people have just kind of taken up with what they wrote. That's it. And, 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 you know, we do need to be aware of certain things that may be, uh, could be weak, weak points in different translations. Sure. But, but just to wholesale, you know, if you use the New King James or if you use the ESV or the NASB or even the NIV, that, that that's a violation of God's law or you're a change agent just because yeah. you read or use that. Well, uh, I, I know it's are liberal. That's a hasty
0: judgment. That's a hasty know, judgment. Yeah, I know you're liberal if you use a new King James, because that's what you use. Right. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I usually,
1: always, and sometimes I find myself still reading the King James psalm, well, and I glance at
0: multiples. You see what I've got here? That's right, yeah. Do you recognize I, that? Can you see yeah, that? Yeah, I think I do. It? Yeah, is that that deal that I gave you? Yeah. Or sold you or whatever? I yeah, can't well, remember now. might as well say, I, I get hold on. <laughs> <clears throat> I gave you twenty bucks for it. I think that's what yeah. you paid for it off off yeah. of uh, East, eBay. Probably eBay. Yeah. I almost said e yeah. sword. Let's talk. Yeah. Let, me, let me give you my my spiel, Aaron. As, and and you've heard this before. And I want to get it out there for other people. I don't hold to the King James because I I think it's the best. I don't hold to the King James because I think it's the most popular. There's two reasons I hold to the King James. One is stupid, and one is one is when I say I, maybe we shouldn't say stupid. <laughs> One reason I hold to the King James has to do with irrational preference, very subjective preference, and yeah. the other I think is pretty rational in a good case, and you may or may not find this important enough or a big enough problem to to change, and that's fine, but I'll tell you why I hold to the King James. I'll give you the the irrational subjective reason first. It really sounds like scripture. <laughs> I just like it. I, that, that's it. That's subjective. Not everybody's going to feel that way. It's subjective. So we, we, we ain't got to well, talk about that at all. Well, people have been using it for
1: 400 plus years. so Ain't that the truth? It's hard to get away from the idea that it sounds
0: a lot like Scripture. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so here's the second reason, though. And this is where I, I kind of, I, this is the one I pull out in defense if somebody really goes after me for using the King James. hmm all right, let's say that you're studying with a member of a denominational church. and you've, you've studied with them for hours. Let's say you've, you've had six Bible studies that have been an hour long, so for six hours you have tried to convince them not to listen to man, but to listen to the words on the page. And they believe that you have to be baptized into Christ for their mission of sins, to be added to the kingdom over which Jesus is the ruler sitting on the throne of David, and the church is the kingdom, and he only built one church because that's just what the Bible says, and they they understand that they are in a denomination and they are not in that one church, and you have convinced them not to listen to man. And then you say, that's great, and they say, that's awesome because, you know, my my husband has children from his previous marriage, and I have children from my previous marriage, and we're really wanting to, to go to a congregation that, that is right, and we've seen the religious confusion out there. This is not a what-if scenario. This happened to me. And you say, oh, okay, well, look, we need to talk about your marriage, and I want to make sure that you have a right to be married to your husband, and your husband has a right to be married to you. And then we go to Matthew chapter 19, and we start reading this, and, I, and then we, I explain the context. And then we get to verse 9, and I, I, I like this new King James Bible. I love the way it's laid out. I love the way it feels. I love everything about it. But every modern version or translation that I've found does this. And I say unto you, whosoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. And I say, let's read that and talk about it. And she says, okay, well, yeah, we have a right to be married because, um, well, my husband cheated on me and, and I put him away because he cheated on, or excuse me, his wife cheated on him. So he divorced her because she cheated on him. My husband had an addiction to pornography and I divorced him because he had an addiction to pornography and that's sexually immoral. So, This verse proves that we have a right to be remarried. Yeah. Now I've got to say, well, don't listen to what the Bible states. Listen to what man says. And sexual immorality doesn't really mean sexual immorality. It actually means fornication. So you really don't have the right to be married because you didn't put your husband away for fornication. You put him away for sexual immorality. There's a problem. I've just destroyed 6 hours. Like do you see the the inconsistency of that? And that's the reason why I use the King James in all my personal Bible studies. Because I know I'll, I'll never have to deal with that.
1: Yeah. And and either way you In either way just like with anything in the Bible you do have to explain words. Yeah. You know like fornication, but you yeah. don't have to go to the Greek because you, you do have fornication in English in the King yeah. James, and I'm not sure about any other. Like you said, I, I, the American I Standard version. Any. I think the
0: American Standard version, you know, has well, fornication. Th- but, that, but yes, but, but I wouldn't consider that a, a no, modern. No, I say modern no. translation. Right. Something within the last fifty years. Yeah, in the 1900s and forward. Yeah, I, yeah. You don't have yeah. that. And, and, and I so, don't know. I'm going to look up my trusty rusty sword. I got a Young's literal translation. Let's see if it. Let's see what that says
1: mm-hmm. in Matthew 19.9. And if I might mention a, a a a weakness again, where you have to explain, you'd have to give an explanation from the Greek. Right. I mentioned the NASB of 95 a minute ago. Overall, I think it's really good. Right. But it gets even worse in my judgment on Matthew 19.9 than the New King James Version. Oh, it just says it, immorality, it, doesn't it? It just says immorality, so there's not even a sexual connotation with it,
0: you know? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Hey, check this out. And I say unto you that whoever may put away his wife, if not for whoredom. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's a better. D- that's the Young Literal Translation. Yeah. I used to have that. I thought on my Esau, but I, I don't think I do. It's free. Book. Yeah. Yeah. All, all I you got to do is go in there and download it. Let's see. Anyway, that's interesting. It, it, it says hoard them. I wonder what the Apostolic Bible Polyglot's got since we're just jacking yeah, around here. I hey. don't have it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have it there? Yeah, Apostolic Bible Polyglot. And I say to you that whoever should dis- dismiss his wife not for harlotry. There you go. Yeah. I, I, I get harlotry. And should marry another. So harlotry and whoredom, that's, that's pretty explicit. I think fornication, yeah. though, is just a much better word because it describes the sexual act. Yeah. You know, and, and, and when I say the sexual act, I'm not, man, we don't get into all that. It, it's broader yeah. than what you might think it is, but it takes two people to do it. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's a physical act. It's not metaphysical. Right. In other words, it's not an emotional affair. Yeah. Hey, here's one, Tony. You may have heard of this, and
1: I think maybe some brethren are involved in this particular Bible, the Modern Literal
0: Version, 2021. Yes. Here, he, he, let me tell you why I don't like that version. I don't like it because of the 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 the, bre- the people that have put that out are so disrespectful to anybody that doesn't use it. Oh, they wow! Make, they make fun of people that use the King Jimmy. I'm serious. Oh, okay. Wow. And first off, it's not a literal version. You cannot, th- they say this is a literal word-for-word translation. No, it's not. You cannot have a literal word-for-word translation <laughs> that anybody can read. You, yeah. you, we're not experts in Greek, folks, but me and Aaron, we did, we were forced to take two <laughs> yeah. years worth of Greek crammed into one year. And we know enough about translation to know that you have to smooth the translation out in order to make it readable.
1: And and if you've ever, and again, I'm not wholesale taking up for it because I don't use it full time anyway, but the one I mentioned, the NASB 95, a lot of the so-called scholars claim that that's the most accurate English translation, you know, modern English translation, and Probably is I wouldn't have a problem it, thinking, but what I was going to say was if you read it, Tony, and you yeah. may have, it's very people say wooden, yeah, and 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 I would argue, and I think you would agree, it still doesn't get to that. It would
0: be more wooden if it was completely literal, yes, because it would be. Well, it would be it would be not understandable because it no. doesn't follow the same word order that English does. Right, right. word order exactly. is very important in English. Word order is not important in Greek. Um, Wayne Vaughn says, could I get info on how to get that Bible Tony has? Wayne, I hate to tell you, you cannot. Not because we're unwilling to give it, but because you just got to look for one on eBay and, and luck up and try to find one. I will tell you this. It is a it is from Thomas Nelson Publishers of Nashville, Tennessee. It's the New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs. It's the New King James Version. And on the dates the 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 latest date on the copyright on the on the whatever page this uh, boy's it's been it's been some years since i took library in high school anyway i don't know what this page is called um maybe the preface no the copyright page oh. or whatever okay okay um, yeah 1993 is the latest date so this what a, this there's something this Bible, else in
1: Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say there is something else in there toward the very front. I don't have mine right here by me right this second. It's like large print something. Large
0: yeah, print. Yeah, large print reference edition with read along references and read along translations. That
1: that would help Wayne
0: if he Yeah. Yeah. Large And that print. that's the reason I like it. I use this, I use this to teach the book. This is my Hebrew's teaching book. book. The reason yeah. is because the way they show the Old Testament references, it's like they're uh, block. They're not block text. They're indented. They're set apart, mm-hmm. and they're they're at a glance. Yeah, and they have all the references to what they what they show. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But I it's love a really it. Nice one. Yeah, I'm. I'm. T- the only reason I haven't got sent it off to got it rebound, is because I I I use it so much, yeah. and I never thought. It it lay it after after I paid Aaron the twenty the crisp green twenty dollar (laughs) bill. You you would you would think you know not all twenty dollar bills are green. I should have kept that. When like like put it in a little frame or
1: something. I probably spent it on like McDonald's breakfast or something. I don't even remember. Anyhow, yeah, yeah, that that was the. You should have kept the, the $20 that way when you get famous and you're holding that thing up like Joel Olstein. I'm like, yeah, there's it. that $20 bill he gave me for that. It, I am <laughs>
0: what it says that I am. Oh, you got that right. You definitely are what it says you are, <laughs> <Ooh>. buddy. Wow. <laughs> yep. Scary. Anyway, so, so Wayne, I hope – I just just try to try to search for those parameters. and Yeah. Yeah, my I suggestion
1: – yeah, I was yeah. just gonna
0: say, go to I'd go to
1: e or um. Why are we, why are we saying anything? Go so to we eBay. We talk about e sword. Go to eBay, and I'm telling a secret here. So y'all got to send me some money. All right That's for it. this. All send him right. his commission. It's finders, Send please. me my commission, man. But I'm just kidding, of course. But hey, this is a way to do it. You go on there and you type in NKJV and type like New Testament. And there you go. Yeah, New Tech because that that book you hold
0: has New Testament. Psalms and Proverbs. It's pretty hey, cool. Betw- between us, chickens, Aaron, this had to have been owned by someone who was a New Testament Christian. Does it have underlining in it? Yes, it has underlining and 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 okay, I and, and little hash marks and they just not yeah. It, it, it's the the kind like it's, I'm it's telling like you, Acts two thirty eight underlined or something. <laughs> yes, and is
1: it is it uh, messy like all the writing in, it is it neat or no?
0: No, it's 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 good. I couldn't remember that it had writing in it. Yeah, it has some writing in it, but it's. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. No, it don't bother me. <laughs> I like it. I like the provenance. Yeah. Anyway, oh, there's some writing I put in it. That's the messiest writing. All right, I think <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get bored. All right, who did that? That was me.
1: Um, Translations, though, you know, it's like, yeah. just find like one a, and use it, man. Yeah. Yeah. But, but and the more you use it, and you study, and you look back at like Esword, and you look at it, even at the Greek words, and see what the scholars say about those words, then you can be aware of certain weaknesses or yes. verses that should have been translated better. You know, yes. I mean, I could give a caveat on several modern translations just to warn people. You know, uh, I mean, they're exactly. They're, you know the main deal with the NIV is you've got sinful flesh in the Book of Romans. That's, I mean, that's well, that's one of the worst deals on the NIV, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, unless you've, <laughs> you mentioned earlier, well-meaning brethren that have written exposés on these modern translations, and I love them to death. God bless them. Mm-hmm. But they lay these accusations about it's it's rank. The only reason to, to and translate it this way is to teach denominational error. I don't believe that one bit, not not one bit. There's only one translation I know that teaches that that they had to have done this on purpose to teach denominational error, the denominational error of Calvinism, and that's the New International Version. There's no reason to translate sinful flesh as sinful nature. Yeah, there's just no reason to. Now, if you if you go to Barry O'Dell said, translation is an art, and that is exactly correct. That's why whenever we read Matthew 19, 9 and Young Literal Translation and the Apostolic Bible Polyglot, it says whoredom and it says harlotry. Okay, that works, but here's the problem. I wouldn't translate it that way because even though that's a valid translation, there's still too much nuance to that word. In my opinion, the better word is fornication. Yeah. In fact, if I was translating, I might translate the word pornea into an English phrase to be more specific with what that word actually means. Oh, well, Tony, that's not a literal translation anymore. That's a thought for thought. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with the thought for thought translation.
1: Well, here's, And here's the deal. Uh, or here's here's the deal about my beloved my beloved New King James Version. What's interesting is often well if you have nearly all the New King James Bibles, they're published by Thomas Nelson. Thomas Nelson owns the copyright to its post in nineteen eighty two, yep. and nearly every New King James, nearly nearly that I've ever held and looked at, it always has the footnote on Matthew nineteen nine that says fornication. I mean, I've got oh, a bunch them. of them on my shelf. And, and I like that. I that. They, yeah. and here's that. And here's what's strange, too. And other translations have done this type of thing. The, yeah. NKJV is not the only one, but they have fornication, the English word fornication for pornea, in other places. Yes. Like in in the epistles, Ephesians yep. and Galatians. And you're like, why, what? So, you know, and that would be, I guess, one thing that I would try to, I guess, if somebody tried to pin me down, I'd say, well, look, you know, Here's the thing, you know, this is what the word means from the Greek, and we can look at that, and but we yep. can also see in the New King James that those scholars they translated it as the English word fornication" in a lot of other places, and it's the same word. So yeah. forgive the translators, they were inconsistent one time, you know, and yep don't lose your faith in the Word of God because they did a different word in English there. Yeah, I, I mean, I would oh.
0: use that and compare epistle verses to it. Yes, and, and this is so uh, one of our teachers in class a student handed in a paper and, and we had the choice to either write an introduction to the current book we were studying or the book we were currently studying or take a, a, a passage of at least 10 verses long and exegete that passage. <coughs> I need a cough button cause my, for my code. Mm. Anyway, um, whenever he handed our papers back to us, he stood up and he said, this teacher said, look, If I receive another paper, or hear of another paper turned in, that contains the phrase, in order to understand what this passage of Scripture teaches, you have to know the Greek language, or the original language, I will personally make sure that you receive an F and that you will not graduate. That is egregious, it's wrong, and it's damaging because you will cause people to mistrust their English translation of the Bible. We have translations of the English, of, of God's word into English, and you can trust them. Now, at Memphis School of Preaching, you're only allowed to use the King James Version or the American Standard 1901. But yet, uh, a, a rather gruff, old school traditionalist teacher said that. So that'll let you know something. You can trust your English Bible. Yeah. You can. Okie doke. Let's move on to something else, Aaron. Tradition. <laughs> some that we know. So that's one thing we need to get rid of, the tradition of the translation. I, I guess I should say this before we move on, though. An eldership, because of expediency, you can say, look, use whatever translation of the Bible or version of the Bible you want. But when we do public readings or something like that, or when you publish an article in the bulletin or something like preach that. Preach or teach a Bible class. Even when you preach and teach a Bible class, which, oh, that's, that's hard for me to, because I, I would hate to go to an eldership that said, well, you have to use the English Standard Version. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how I would handle it. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't go preach for him. But look, yeah, I, I, that, that's a hill I'm willing to die on. But they have the authority, and that that, that would be my choice. Yeah, uh, for expediency's sake, to pick a version for the church. Well, this wouldn't fit you. What your what exactly. you know? You got your reasons, and it's not because you think exactly. ESV is a violation of God's law. You just no. You know, In fact, i've I've given I've given ESV Bibles away as gifts before. In fact, during the early stages of the We Talk Truth group and podcast, we had a giveaway. <laughs> Where I gave away a crossway goat skin we, yep. I guess, gave away a crossway English standard goat skin Bible. Yep. And I wouldn't yeah. do that if I thought it was sinful to use. Right, yeah. I mean, and here, the people who, and I don't know
1: any of the ones that are watching now or will watch or will listen, you know, some of the ones listen to my podcasts and things, but my opinion is you've got at least five, Essentially literal translations, what, what they call essentially literal translations. Yeah. And that's my opinion. You got King James, New King James, American Standard, ESV, and the NASB of 95. And I always say 95 because from what I've seen, it seems superior to the 2020 NASB. The 2020 NASB seems to cater to this gender-neutral stuff. Whereas the NASB of 95 does not. And I'm not a scholar, but just from my observation, but I'll say those in my opinion, from my studied opinion, those five, you're not going to get any damnable doctrine. You'll get some damnable doctrine in Romans with the NIV, you know, I do encourage people to steer away. I I don't say you're in sin if you have one or read it or whatever, but you know, Hey, watch out for Romans. It's, you know, but Again, some of this gets into where you have to use your own study discretion, and the whole point of what we're saying is don't be so held to the translation you use that yeah. you divide the church over it, that you that's it. belittle people who use other translations, and that's the thing. That's what hurts,
0: bothers, bothers me. Hurts, hurts the church. Hurts the church. Hurts Jesus. Yeah. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Segway into something else. Let's see. What, what, what's something that you came up with, some traditions so the tradition of the of the translation that's one we need to get rid of what what else you got on your list
1: well, you know i did I do have a list here, and the other day we you know we mentioned these, so you can pick one of these, but we talked about uh, hiring preachers and also oh, the Lord's yeah. Supper. talked about the Lord's Supper once on Sunday yes, we, we could also talk about
0: giving you know giving yeah. on Sunday the way we do Oh yeah, um, well, let's talk about the lord's Supper that's been an interesting one yeah. Um, Let me tell you again, this is something I heard in school. A teacher teacher in school had been a preacher in Florida at a congregation evidently on the way to the beach. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And during a certain time of the year, every once in a while, they'd have people drive up, and there'd be a, a family or a man and a woman or a couple of women in a car in their bathing attire, and you just in their bikinis and swimsuits and stuff. And they would see people, they would see the folks outside between the worship service and the, and the Bible study. And they would ask, they'd roll down the window and say, Hey, can, can, can some of y'all bring us out the Lord's supper? So we can partake of it on the way to the go to the beach. And we're on vacation, and like, they thought this was perfectly, naturally, normal, and, and acceptable. <laughs> to take the Lord's Supper out on the beach? No, no, they wanted to take the Lord's Supper in the parking lot on the way to the beach. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So kind of like drive-through he, church. <laughs> that's exactly what. And some <laughs> congregations, I, I, I've always heard this, I've never validated it, so for those of you listening just put this in the back of your brain and 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 do with it what you will but i've always heard i've never validated that there were some liberal congregations of the that that that, that say their that that say their churches of christ that had actual drive through communions whether that's true or not i do not know but i it's it's one of those things like the boogeyman oh, i've always heard it yeah <laughs> um but anyway my, the reason i bring that up is have we distilled our liturgical service, which is consistent of five avenues whereby we come before the very presence of God, four of which are tied to the General Assembly, the Episunagoge itself, have we distilled that down to one thing, taking the Lord's Supper? And as long as I take the Lord's Supper, I'm fine, you know?
1: Yeah, like uh, folks, and I have seen this, folks who will sit through a couple acts of worship, maybe a prayer, song, then the Lord's Supper, then they leave. That's it. They don't stay for the acts of giving
0: and, and exhortation, preaching. Well, I remember whenever I was a kid <laughs> at the Mount Zion Church of Christ, um, we had people that would get up and leave after the Lord's Supper and wouldn't stay for the sermon. So we just changed the Lord's Supper to the end. It's the last thing we did. Yes, that's sitting there and wait. That's it. You know, if, if we're going to feed you, we got you got to at least listen to the show.
1: <laughs>
0: it's, <a> ter- <laughs> it's like a terrible way to put that in it. Yeah,
1: but it's like, it's like maybe there's just a misunderstanding, <laughs> like taking the Lord's Supper is the only thing that matters or something. I, well, and what as do long we as do I, whenever? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, as long as you do that, you don't, Really yeah. have to do the others. What I really have. That's not a made up scenario. I, I've seen that in my home church no, growing yes. up. Yes.
0: And what do we do when somebody's sick? Oh, somebody's in the hospital. Let's go take them the Lord's supper. Well, why don't we preach? Why don't we sing? Why don't we give them a give them a, uh, uh, an opportunity to give? Why don't we pray? I, y- why? If we're going to take them the Lord's supper, I, why don't we why don't we do that? So this,
1: yeah, I don't know if there's something else you want to add to that, but First Corinthians eleven. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. First Corinthians 11, what really bothers me about all this, it bothers my yeah. conscience that we're just, you know, we don't emphasize the coming together in one place. That's it. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, Tony. It's kind of peculiar. Maybe you can help me with this, but it's kind of peculiar when many members of the church eat the bread and drink the juice on Sunday morning, and then one does
0: it on Sunday night. It's that's always it's yeah it's peculiar. It's like it is. What if you if you miss if you miss the episunagoge that is the assembling together of Hebrews ten twenty five, then you just missed it. Like it may be beyond your control. That's okay. Yeah, it's not. If, if, We're not talking about skipping yet, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're not come forsaking about, you just, it. You're you're not right. Like you you broke your leg on Sunday morning. Well, don't you think God understands using the emergency room at ten a.m. So you gonna you gonna you know if if you're able you're gonna come that evening. And I love the heart that says I want to make sure that I partake of the Lord's Supper. But yeah. I think we need to be educate people and say it's not needed. You've missed yeah. it. Like, if, if you make the case, like, if we're going to offer, why don't we offer twice? I, I've done an a asking around
1: study. I don't know if it's study, but just kind of observation and asking questions. And it just seems to me, and if you got another input, give it. But, you know, I, it seems like a lot of the reason why so many congregations have Sunday night service in the United States in the United States had to do with, with industrialization and, 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 and shift work. Yeah. Well, I, I so well, there used I to be a good reasons. bit of folks who couldn't assemble that morning because they yes. had to work. Yes. And not because they chose to take a vacation and they drove in on Sunday night right. and chip sip and $2 tip. And I, I'm not being ugly. Their hearts may be as sincere and pure as possible. I just, yeah. When y'all, it's just peculiar when there's one or two or three taking it. And we're like, you know, we all gather around the table, and well, we're not. There's only two or three doing it. There's 80 that are not. It just seems peculiar, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm and and that, that's the thing. Honestly, if if we're going, so I've I've done so much, and I, 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 dude, there's some. Aaron, this may be the only one we talk about for the rest. Okay, of the there's hours. some comments coming up. Yeah, I want to get the. I'm going to get your comments. Um, I have done so much content and talked so much about this. Two worship service model. Why do we have two worship services? Well, because of <clears throat> back in the day with shift work, farmers in the field, stuff like that. And I understand that we need to accommodate people. But we don't need to try to accommodate people to the point where we lose the meaning of the traditions that we hold. Now, I'm talking about traditions from God. The Lord's Supper is a tradition from God. We're supposed to do it every week. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my code is bothering you. <coughs> I need a mute button. Anyway, why wouldn't we rather do this? Have two hours worth of Bible. If, if we want to make sure as many people take the Lord's Supper as possible, have two hours worth of Bible class on Sunday morning, and Sunday evening, we have our worship service where we get together, we sing, we pray, we have, a, we have a gospel sermon, not a Bible class, and we give of our means and we partake of the Lord's Supper. And then as many people as possible will be able to do that because, and again, you might say, well, Tony, what about the people that work the evening shift and not the morning shift? then that's where congregational autonomy comes in. And that's where elders need to know who they serve, or who they serve, the congregation that they serve. They need to know their sheep and the needs of their sheep and figure that out. But uh, there's there's a congregation, or there's a congregation, there's a comment here. Actually, let me do this. First off. Cindy Meek, uh, are there differences between the NASB nineteen ninety five and nineteen seventy eight? The answer is yes. You I know what they are on top of your head? No, but I think there's. I would say,
1: from what I've seen, somewhat minimal, nothing major yeah. of which I'm aware. And okay. I'm not sure it's seventy eight. It may be. I thought it was seventy seven. Was the yeah? That it. It's all good. Close enough. But, yeah, I don't think there's. There are some differences. Like, I'm pretty sure the uh, 77 or 78, whichever it is, in the Psalms, if you'll look in the Psalms, it ha- it, they kept the these and thous in the Psalms oh, only. Okay. In the NASB 95, they didn't. They used the modern pronouns you and yours. I yeah. do, I'm
0: pretty sure that's, I'm right about that. You can check gotcha. me on that, Miss Cindy. But. All right. Deborah O'Neill says, I used to think we gather for the Lord's Supper. I learned from Tony a long time ago. That's not right. I appreciate that. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm back to where I need to be. It's Canadian winter setting in, man. I got yeah. me a good old cold. It's not the yeah. COVID. It's not the COVID. Um, I think we need to make it more of a focal point in our worship service than we do. But it's definitely not the reason we gather. Uh, Jonathan Exum, uh, and the changing of the number of songs during worship service is so unscriptural. That's it. If you sing five songs instead of six or seven songs instead of six, you just can't make heaven. Your worship's not acceptable to God. (laughs) No, Jonathan's joking, and so am I. Yeah, and he typed sarcasm on there. <laughs> Absolutely, I didn't read what was in parentheses. Yeah. I was going to hang it's... him out to dry.
1: <laughs> you know, it's like if you don't do two songs and a prayer like we've always done, then you're well, a change it. agent. You're a change but, agent. You're trying to change the nature of the very church into a denomination. Say so that's two songs and a prayer.
0: Two songs, a Lord's Supper, a song in the giving, then a song in the preaching, and an invitation song, and a closing song, and a closing prayer. If you don't do it that way, you're you're a had lad. I want. I want to put in something real fast here. If you Got can,
1: it. if you can go on Facebook, go to if you're listening, go to the NEA Lectureship page and scroll back. It won't take you long because we don't have hundreds of videos. It won't take yeah. you long. Find the sermon BJ Clark did, and I'm pretty sure it's titled on scruples. It, yep. it was really, it was really good.
0: The yep. one BJ did. I teach it more was, on scruples, and I teach on anything else. How he do did I do a really good them? job. Yeah. That's it. He went right Barry's, through Romans fourteen and it was good. I I how can you not? You know? That's absolutely wonderful. All right, Barry O'Dell says, I was working as an associate at a congregation at the pre and the preacher said in a sermon, The Lord's Supper is the most important part of worship. I mean, I just disagree. It's it's there's no scripture that validates that. And um I've heard the Sunday PM observation of the Lord's Supper partaking only and the rest of us are tarrying for them. What say you? Wait a second. I've heard the Sunday PM ob- observers. Oh, okay. So b- let me see. From what I know, of Barry. People, when whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper on the on the Sunday on the Sunday evening, like if I come in and I've missed Sunday morning, I partake of the Lord's Supper. That I'm partaking of the Lord's Supper, and everybody else is tarrying for them. Well, that that's not what. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is teaching. Uh, you tarry for them by not, so everybody gets there at 6 p.m. The bulk of the people get there at 6 p.m., but there's a small subset of people that can't be there till 6.30. That means the, the bulk of the people um, tarry until 6.30, and then they all take the Lord's Supper together. That's what that passage of Scripture teaches and i don't know why we do that and of course w- w- what that means uh, how long do you tarry is the thing you know if i've got a 100 member congregation and i've got three people out with the flu they're not going to be there all day so does that mean we don't take the su- the lord's supper that that sunday and wait till they can be there i think there that's where some congregational autonomy comes in you know well we you know, not all of our number are here. The folks that can be here are here. This is the time that we have set for our Goge our gathering together. And now that we're here, now that we're all here, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And uh, i tell you something we've recently run into. We've had some folks been coming in pretty late, and they actually come in so late that they miss the Lord's Supper because we had the Lord's Supper before the sermon. And they wanted to be served the Lord's Supper after the sermon. And I'm like, I don't, I have a problem with that, but we did it anyway. And I said, and somebody suggested, well, what if we move the Lord's Supper to the end of the lesson? But if you're still late, you're missing the stuff at the first. Well, yeah. So we moved it and then, yeah. So I kind of, I kind of had a talk with the congregation. I explained to them, like I I said, "I, I have a, like, you're still coming in late. Like, what do we have to do? Do we have to move our worship time from 10 a.m. to 10.30 yeah. to accommodate you? Yeah. you, gotta, yeah, I mean, it, you you've got to you know, make this important.
1: I mean, if we're going to teach that there's, that the, work, the Lord's Supper is not the most important, which I think that's correct. I mean, there's not a verse that teaches it's the most important. I'm thinking that some people get off believing that because yeah. the Lord's Supper is the one act that's bound on Sunday. Yes. Whereas the others, you see people doing in the scriptures, all the others. Yeah, you so can do it anytime. I, I, which, yeah, which, you know, I think we can both, you know, we absolutely, the Lord's Supper is very, very special. And it's yes, very sir. special for many reasons, including the fact that it's something this church is supposed to do collectively in one place. And that's why we're talking about this matter. Yeah. Because, you know. When you're all together, and then one or two or three or four take it on Sunday night, it just feels weird. It's like we're not all doing it together, and I think I feel the way Tony feels, which I, I don't think I know uh, for several years now. If I miss on Sunday night because I'm not able to be there, and I come on Sunday night, I I don't I don't take it, and that's my conscience. I don't take I it because I feel weird taking it when my, all my brethren aren't. Which somebody could argue. Well, on Sunday morning you take it, and some of your brethren still aren't there. You know, I I realize because there's people that skip on Sunday morning. It is. I don't. I don't think somebody's going to hell for taking it on Sunday night. But I feel like the more people think about it, and their conscience is
0: pricked, perhaps less people would do it on Sunday night. I think you're correct. (laughs) That's that's what I I think. (laughs) I think if an eldership just decided, hey, listen, you know, if they taught on this and taught the correct way. A, we would have more respect for our worship service. And if we would get out of this two worship service model and say, look, we have one worship service. If you miss that, you just miss that. You're not going to hell if it's a valid reason. Right. You're not out of fellowship with God if it's a valid reason. And you know, just so if, just under- so if it's a so if it's a valid reason, you don't have to come Sunday
1: night and check a list. You were already excused from what God required that day. That's the ticket. It's like if, you, if you're not sinning because you're sick or you had to work or you worshiped elsewhere, with another, whatever, and you come that night, yeah. you don't need to take it. You missed. It. And here's what I've had good brethren ask me, are we perhaps perpetuating a bad attitude toward the assembly, a weak attitude? Laziness, carelessness, by yeah. allowing it to be taken on Sunday night. Well, I just take it on Sunday night. You know, that's I'm, exactly I'm, what we're tra- doing. Tra- I'm doing. I'm traveling, so I can just take it on Sunday night. All right, you
0: have there. there you have this one Faberge egg, and there's only one of them. It's unique in all the world. Therefore, it's worth thirty-seven million dollars. What happens? When a storage room is found and you find three more, what happens? Do, the, do you have three that are worth $37 million, or does the addition of others of the same thing diminish the value of the one? Yeah. What happens when you just print more money in a society? It values the money that's already in existence. It devalues There's it. Yep. one worship service. What happens when you make more? Now, that doesn't mean you spend less time with God, because that's what I think people hear, Aaron. Well, that, I, I that, know. that Tony and Aaron, they they think we ought to just meet for an hour on Sunday and just forget about it. No, I, I think th- we ought to meet more. I think we ought I to did, meet six I hours did. on Sunday. <laughs> Amen.
1: <laughs> Let's see if those brethren that think you're liberal if you only meet once will do six hours. Huh? That's it. That's it. I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly, but let's put a real challenge. You know, and that's that's the thing. I think what we do is there's brethren that think, well, I wouldn't want to go to that congregation. They're liberal. They're unscriptural because they don't have a Sunday night service. You know, it's
0: like. Well, we we, we get more Bible on Sunday than you. We meet for four hours. You just meet for three, and it's broken up. So if we have the idea We're more sound.
1: We're more healthy spiritually. We're following the scriptures more closely because we have two services. Why don't you have three? And if you're going to have three services, why don't you have four? Or why don't you meet all day long from daylight till dark? And according to that ideology, you'd be more faithful.
0: You're more sound. I I wish my brethren would think about that. I know. It's like if the doctor prescribes you pain pills. They say, hey. Take take the take this uh take this oxycotton and for your pain once every hour. Really? Well if I take two every thirty minutes, that's four times as good. <laughs> right. It's like know. uh no, that's there's the a way
1: prescription for that.
0: <laughs> All right So like yeah
1: and I think you and I neither and I've said this before like I've never advocated for less time together on Sunday. But that's it. but I would be in support of changing the way we do some of the things. Not the acts of worship, but the yeah, way it. we you know, like we've talked and you've done, I think y'all maybe do up there at review, you know, like Sunday night having a Bible study or something that's like it. that. Or questions and answers instead yeah. of just the exact same thing, just different songs. I've actually seen brethren we do the same songs on Sunday night, not the, not all the same, yeah. but I've seen brethren come in a different song leader and they led some of the same songs that were led that morning. And, you know, I know yeah. that's not a sin but you know if we're just being negligent not paying attention to what's going on it could be the sin of neglect just like i'm not even paying attention and i am worship only the same song what in the world but
0: that's it
1: uh deborah we need to think
0: absolutely deborah o'neill says we need to prepare for worship on saturday night not be out all night to where we can't get up and worship in the morning at the regular time of meeting you got that right yep and uh Barry says he's got to go, but he's looking forward to listening to the rest of this. And Deborah also says, uh, some separate the Lord's Supper from giving with the psalm because they think if you don't, you just pay for the Lord's Supper. And and that's, I, I, that's really, you honestly, it shouldn't be this way, but we don't deal with should and should not. We deal with is and is not. It shouldn't be this way, but you really need to make a distinction so people understand that what we're about to do is separate from the Lord's Supper. At least do that. But, yeah, that's, you're right. And it's sad that we have to do that because people ought to know, but they don't. Mm. Uh, Wayne Vaughn says, uh, my mother is unable to attend in the morning, so me and her have uh, in the evening service. Yeah. I mean, and that's good. Uh, but, like I said, it's you can get just as much out of that as... Um, and as a bible study or something like that and maybe maybe in your own home because you uh because she can't attend um have a worship service with her in in her home and then go to the bible study when you can it's something to think about let's go back to that scenario where you
1: got somebody that's that can't come yeah you know this past sunday actually two sundays in a row Two Sundays ago, one of my one of my elders here preached on the assembly and the attitude of it, necessity of yeah. it. And the s- Sunday following, I followed up with going into some details about that, but I I didn't repeat him. I I added some things, and right. I thought it fit together good. He did a good job. We actually had a a public response of a member that had not been assembling, and and that individual was encouraged and restored, and and I've. That individual told the elder, hey, your sermon really moved me, you know, the Word of God to get in. So it was great. You know, it's great when you see brothers. and. But I know of scenarios where people are not able. We're not talking about ability and opportunity, which equals responsibility. When you have the ability, and that's what I preached last Sunday morning, when you have the ability and you have the opportunity, you're responsible. That's the parable of the talents that's it so so it and but there are people that are three yeah but there are people that are not able they're not able they're in a nursing home their legs don't work their back don't work whatever they're blind they can't and it I know they miss the assembly and I I can only imagine how discouraged I mean I can see getting discouraged especially when if not many people visit you very often and I I'm, so I'm not trying to be critical of – but for whatever reason, sincere brethren think, well, I can't come. I need somebody to bring me the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And that, that's sincere. Like you said, I mean, it's a tender heart. They want to commune. They, they miss the – when you get to an age and you're not able, you miss – when you love the Lord's church, I've known of people that cried because they couldn't come to church services. Because that was their whole life was the church, and so I'm not belittling anybody, but I don't want our brethren that can't come to the assembly to think they're in sin unless they eat the Lord's Supper by themselves or with a little group of people or with the preacher at the nursing home. Right? I, I, they shouldn't feel that way. Like, oh, I got to do this so I can so I can go to heaven. I'm I'm not right yeah. with God, you know, or cuz like what if brethren can't make it out that sunday like we do that we go every other sunday to the nursing home and that and that's okay that's yeah. fine but but what if one sunday some of us couldn't go there was an epidemic a virus or is that sister that's in there and can't make it to our assembly is she less holy is she less spiritual is she less faithful has she violated god's instructions cuz she didn't eat the lord's supper when we brought it to her we couldn't make it see <laughs> that's, it. that's
0: and I think sometimes maybe we make it harder than it really is in in ways like that. I, I think that the Sunday evening offering of the Lord's Supper is probably a tradition that needs to go. Yeah. Because it keeps people infantile in their faith. Yep. Yep. It it, it stands it provide, in the yep. way. It stands in the way of progressing someone's spiritual maturity. Um, We have a problem in our society of infantilizing our young people, and we have a problem in the church of the infantilizing of the members of the church when it comes to their faith. And it's providing an opportunity.
1: Like, okay, so let's say elderships think about this. And they think and they think and they study and they just, and and they come to the conclusion we're going to get up in front of the church and say, Hey, we're going to stop doing this on Sunday night because we believe it's providing an open door for people who could have been here that morning, but didn't. And if you legitimately couldn't be here, you don't have to or need to take it that night. So we're going to stop that practice. We feel like by doing this, it will make people realize all the more, I got to make it to Sunday morning service because, you know, I can't just take it tonight. That's it. I'm pretty sure there's some brethren that sleep in or that miss, and they could have been there and they just do it at night. And I I want to offer this.
0: Not, not to mitigate the thrust of what you said, but to mitigate someone's reaction to it. We're not saying that you're not accommodative as a congregation. We're not saying that an eldership says, you know, you know we've got 100 members of our congregation and 30 of them work at a factory and they cannot be here at 10 a.m., right. which means at about 1040 we're taking the Lord's Supper and they yep. can't be here. Maybe that means, okay, all 100 members can be here at 1 o'clock. Why wouldn't you just change your worship time to 1 o'clock and instead of having two one-hour services, have one two-hour meeting? Like in the first century, that's what they did. In the first century, they met after the work day was over because they didn't live in Western culture influenced by Christianity for 2,000 years. They yeah, lived the in a pagan yeah. culture that, yeah. that just Sunday was just another day of the week, and after the workday was done, they gathered in somebody's home, they gathered in a synagogue that wasn't being used because it's Sunday and not Saturday, and Paul said, look, you need to tarry for one another. Wait till everybody that's able to get there gets there, Before you start, you know, I wonder how long sometimes they tarried. You know, They didn't have cell
1: phones to text each other and say, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Or I "I had a flat tire, which they wouldn't have had that, but something equal to that. And I'll be delayed like an hour, you know. I
0: know. Again, we don't know. So that's why we're talking. This is a matter of judgment. This is why congregational autonomy is so important. Aaron and I are not talking about spending less time with God. We're actually talking about Amen. spending more. Amen. Yeah, I have never advocated.
1: Like, I was actually, when I was preaching in school, and I would come up to Wilson, which is, you know, a small area here. You know where Wilson is, East yeah. Mississippi, right on the river. And at that time, I don't know what they're doing now, but at that time, they had a Sunday morning Bible class, Sunday morning worship, Sunday night worship. And some of the men brought this up, and I said, hey, yeah, this, this sounds great. They were accommodating my traveling from Memphis, an hour and 20 yeah. minutes, and they were also accommodating just the age of the congregation. They stopped doing an evening service. They started meeting at 9, and we didn't let out till noon. So we were actually there the same amount of time as if we had come for a.m. Bible class and worship and p.m. Worship for an hour. But we just did it in the first part of the day. So what we did and we took a break, we would and it was a more than a two minute break. So you'd have like I don't remember exactly how long, but you'd have like Bible class from nine to ten. Then we had a break. I mean, it was like a 10 or 15 minute break. And then we would continue Bible study and discussion till 11. And then from 11 to 12. The standard so, worship,
0: you know. The, uh, the Aubrey Church of Christ, when I was preaching in school, did that. You know, it was an hour and a half drive from Memphis to Aubrey. We had a Bible class. We had a worship service. Then every week we all ate lunch together. People brought in food. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we had another, um, they called it a worship service. It really wasn't a worship service. It was a Bible class. You know, that's what yeah. we did. We sang three or four songs, and I taught another lesson. And then we left. Let's address this
1: very briefly.
0: I, I don't
1: appreciate when some brethren say, well, that's just changing stuff for the sake of change. Yeah, but it, no, we're, but it's not. We're talking about accommoda- accommodating for the needs of the congregation. The congregation is autonomous under that leadership. That's it. That's it. Just think years and years and years ago, before there was ever two services on Sunday. At some point, some eldership changed it up That's and right. said, you know, we got 50% of our church at work shift work. We're going to oh, have yeah. a PM service where the other half can come that night. That's it. And somebody was going, change agent, change agent. We can't yeah. do that. That's liberal.
0: Same, same way when they started preaching on the radio. Here's one you more. Know. I know. Here's one more thing on Acts 20, verse 7. That's
1: one of my favorite verses. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart the, on the morrow, continued his yeah. speech till midnight. He didn't he didn't start at 7 a.m. He didn't start no. at the he didn't start at the Southeastern United States Church of Christ service, 9 or 10 a.m. So, like you said, like a pagan society, and I want to add to that. Imagine being especially in and around Jerusalem. Ooh, that's it. Where like it's dominated by Judaism. Mm-hmm. Sunday is Saturday's the holy day around That's Jerusalem true. for the non-Christians, the Jews. They Sunday is not. Sunday's not the special day of worship. Sunday's a work right. day to all unbelieving Jews. You Me don't too. go to them and say, You need to change your fishing business. I got they worship when they got off work on Sunday night. And there you have it in Troas. And Troas is not in Judea proper. Is right. it? Troas is on up mm-hmm. in the mixed Jewish-Gentile
0: areas, if I'm not mistaken. That's it. Um, Jewel Pender says, how about getting services off the Internet? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that's a tradition that sprang up for COVID. It's got to go. <sighs> you cannot come together in one place, which I, is what episunagoge means, because you're not there. Con- I preached that con- Sunday. Con- congregation A streams their worship service. The congregation that meets in my home, watching that worship service, is not in, in corporate, in cooperation with the one on the Internet, because right. they don't occupy the same space. Yeah, they're not together. It's, it's, worship is physical and metaphysical. Mm-hmm. And when you put it on the internet and people watch it on the internet, it's strictly metaphysical. It takes away the physical. It does not qualify. You are not assembling together on the internet. Aaron and I, our visages, our metaphysical presence is together. He is in Arkansas. I am in New Brunswick. We are not together. Mm. We could pray over the phone, sing over the
1: phone all day long together and enjoy it, but we would not be keeping Hebrews 10.25. No. No. In fact, I— mean, I, I mean, I, I love talking to you. I love praying on the yeah. phone with
0: brothers, but that's I'm not with the you.
1: assembly of Hebrews
0: 10. But I do not repeat—I I staunchly oppose and down this hill here at Riverview, we will—I don't even want to stream our sermons— on our Riverview Facebook page. Yeah. We, we do stream them to a private secret group for going, like, the Bible classes and the sermons so people can go back and watch them again if they want to. Or if we have somebody out sick. Mm. I may be out sick if I keep going. <laughs> um, if we have yeah. somebody out sick. Or if we have somebody like if they if they're on a vacation or if they're having to stay at home with a family member, we got a we got a lot of women. Well, we got a lot of women. We got a few women here that um, are married to non-believing husbands and and different things, and they they have to miss for certain reasons. And God bless them for what they are able to do. But I I would be staunchly opposed to just broadcasting our sermons for all the world to see in our Bible classes. I mean it.
1: As long as you teach the truth on it, that part of it falls into a matter of judgment. You know, as far as yeah. that, but but I, I mean, I'm not going to staunchly disagree with you on that. I mean, it just, in my yeah. opinion, it opens up a door, and that's one thing. Like our elders here have struggled with that, and they're trying to, you know, they. So, I think probably eventually they'll probably take it off. But I tell you this, uh, you know, two weeks ago, my elders and then me the Sunday after, the eldership stands firm. I mean, my first uh my elder that preached the Sunday before I did, you know, he said it's that it was wrong for people to stay home and just watch it when they're able to be there. And so it. it's none of this where you can just worship on the internet. Let me mention something else with this if I might, something that concerns me that I wish I hope our viewers will consider, but also just teach this to others for them to think about. When all the COVID stuff happened, It concerned me, and I know God knows all the details. I don't, but it concerned me that it seemed some brethren didn't know how to worship at home. Right. They needed someone like me to, quote, unquote, conduct a service so they could watch it. It concerns me because as a Christian, as we've mentioned a moment ago, I am authorized by God, yea, commanded. To perform four of the five acts any day of the week, every day of the week, I mean, could you say we're we're not only authorized but we're instructed? I mean, and we have examples, Paul and Silas singing in the prison at midnight, they were offering worship to God. It wasn't Sunday, mm-hmm. and so if we don't know how to sing some songs, say some prayers, read some scripture, and talk about God's word. And even if it was necessary to take the Lord's Supper, let's just it, it, let's just say it was necessary. Not long going to all the scenarios. Why couldn't I do that at home? Why would I need to watch something online to know how to do
0: it? That, well, that concerns me. That that's this infantilization of the the faith of our members. We're not training our members. We're not we're not training the the people in the pew. We've, we've made the church a consumer commodity and not a place where mature, faithful Christians come and participate. I'm going to say something, and I'm not trying to change your vernacular. I'm just going to point this out to get, make you think. We call, oh, I'm going to sit in the auditorium and listen to the, listen to the sermon. It's not an auditorium. It ought to be called a participatorium. Participatorium. Now, that's not a real word. (laughs) An auditorium is where you audit. Audit is not participation. When I go to a class and I'm not, um, if I go to a college class over here to New Brunswick College, I can audit a class and I don't participate in it. I don't do any of the work and I don't get any of the credit. (laughs) We have turned it into an auditorium where I come and I, where I come and uh, I sit and I audit, but we need to teach that we're participating. Now I'm not yep. saying that you need to call the auditorium a participatorium, but it's a it's a funny way of illustrating the point. We have to mm-hmm. we have to understand that we're participating, and we have to teach our people how to do that, even when they're not able to come to the building. Yep. We got to make mature Christians out of them that come together not for auditing, but for participation. Like, I could see you're circumstances. Participating in worship. I could see circumstances where, like, I know sickness, but let's forget sickness.
1: Let's just say, you, you know, you're headed to services and there's a lot. I've had to use this illustration with the Breton here. What would we do if, like, we were on the way to the building and there was a lockdown at the building. There was, there was an active shooter or the building was on fire. Yeah, Would we just, would we have to say, well, we just can't have service. I mean, there's multiple options. You could just meet somewhere else. You could meet outside under the tree or you could just, everybody stay at home and ask the members, worship God at home for this morning. We'll figure out something for tonight. You know,
0: that's it. Well, I think we've got this covered pretty well.
1: (laughs) Yes, a lot of good
0: stuff. Traditions we need to get rid of. What have we talked about? Um, The partaking of the Lord's Supper on a Sunday evening. and uh, Translations of the Bible. Translations of the Bible, our dogma concerning translations. Mm -hmm. And then we need to get rid of the tradition that sprung up lately um, about worship service, quote-unquote, online. You know, really, really quickly, you know, any traditions we need to keep? I feel like we need to bring up at least one. I can't, I know. nothing comes to mind. I don't know. I this, is,
1: this one's a yeah. very simple and obvious one, but we need to keep like where we meet at a certain time. <laughs> well, sure. Like, well, yeah. You, need you know, to I mean, to, it's a tradition, like where you order have a certain worship, time. Yeah. You make it a priority to make it yeah. at
0: that time. That's yeah. a tradition. And there's no, there's a, the, the tradition of the order of worship two songs of prayer, two songs all that good yeah. stuff, whatever your congregation decides to do, there's no reason to change that offhand. Yeah. Certainly no. not
1: very often, probably. No. You know? No. You don't want to change it every now and then. And again, though, elders, they, they should be the wisest among us. That's it. The elders should, if the elders say, look, we've thought about this. We're not changing it to change it. We want to change it up. Because we noticed that we've done two songs in a prayer for 40 years in a row. What we're going to do is for six months, we're going to do it this way. And for the next six months, we're going to change it up because it helps it to keep it fresh. And I think if people are sincere in doing that, that's not wrong and that's not bad. Some people condemn that. They're like, well, that's just – you just need to get your head right. Well, I agree. You do need to focus to get your head right. But I can see where – Doing everything the same exact way all the time can become routine, and it's challenging. Worship, here's my opinion, worship is challenging enough for different reasons. Or tear down any barriers to entry. Yeah, so it's okay if you regulate it and change the order every now and then. You know, just let it be more fluid, too. Uh, we could talk about that another time. And for just, heaven's
0: sakes, quit making the choir wear those one-piece color robes. They're ugly. Get some, <laughs> get some multicolor robes for your choir. <laughs> oh, me. Oh, Somebody we can talk a, about that
1: another time, too. Tradition about truth. seating.
0: Seating. Yeah. Oh. No, I, I don't believe we should have a choir. Somebody a clip that and say, look at this <sighs> right. what Tony's teaching. Right. Anyway. All right. So sometimes, sometimes I'm so good in my sarcasm that people don't know. People believe
1: it. Hey, I what about it. the tradition of everybody facing the same way to worship? And if you don't,
0: you're liberal. Th- that, you know, is, that, that is a— You might need a, to change that. That's a more modern tradition than you might realize of everybody like, facing the like, same
1: way. And, 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 Tony, now that we're doing—I say we. We do it here, but a lot of—now we're doing PowerPoint for songs. It's like we're like this. Yeah. And If you look over at somebody, somebody's like, "What are you looking at me for?" I know. You know like, what yeah, are they if, looking if at? You,
0: it's like <laughs> if if you're if you if you do it just right, you can sit with three hundred people in the auditorium and you'll feel like you're the only one there.
1: Uh, yeah, because you're like,
0: <laughs> yep, <laughs> you,
1: can't, you can't move or look. What if y'all sit like in a circle and you could see each other?
0: Ooh, well then you're just then uh, you just you're just a bad person. Then oh me.
1: Well, enough said, I guess, for
0: now. Ain't that the truth? Well, we're we're an hour and 14 minutes. Maybe we need to find more traditions we need to keep. I don't know. It's a lot easier to be negative than it is to be positive. (laughs) That's for sure. It's a lot easier to tear down than it is to build up. And we don't want you to think Aaron and I have a bad attitude. It's just we think about these things a lot, and we see some of these traditions that people hold tight to. And, you know, the the traditions that need to stay – they don't stick out as much as the traditions that need to leave. Well, I mean,
1: like the tradition of extending the Lord's invitation is something we need to extend the, the Lord's invitation, but it doesn't necessarily have to be done the same way we've always done it. You know, or it. it can it can be changed up. It can be, you know, yeah. when you're looking out at a group of people and you literally know there is not a single person there that's not a member of the church. It's okay if you don't go through every condition of salvation to become a Christian. All the it, steps, it's okay. quote-unquote. Right. It's okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: but it, we, again, another time. Sure enough. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. We hope you've enjoyed what we've talked about. I know that we did a little different. We didn't have any videos to review or anything like that. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation, despite my coughing and weird sounding voice. <laughs> Uh, in a few days, I'm, I'm really going to, I'm going to be talking like this. Yeah. You've be been real in a, deep. I know in a few days, I'm going to have a voice that I wish I could have forever. Anyway, right? you'd be like Barry White or something. Or that's it. James Earl, deep. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm your father. Anyway. <laughs> right. Um, this has been Tony Burr and Aaron Dodson with Christianity Now. Uh, We haven't said anything about this, but if you like what we do and you want to help us out, consider supporting us. Links are in the show notes, digitalbiblestudy.locals.com, digitalbiblestudy.org. And uh, hopefully Aaron will get me set up. I'm I'm putting him on the spot. I'm calling him out publicly. Hopefully Aaron (laughs) will get me set up on his two-by-two podcast page so next week we'll be able to stream this on his page to make it easier for the folks in Arkansas to watch this and they don't have to make another click. Um, Aaron, you got anything you want to say before we close? No, that's it. Appreciate everybody listening, tuning in. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for the comments. That's it. God bless y'all. This has been Tony Burr and Aaron Dodson with Christianity Now talking about the traditions of men, and we'll catch you on the flip side.